Well, good morning, Northside family. My name is Jacob. I'm on the student team and we're glad that you're here. Um, and happy Labor Day weekend. I'm so glad that you guys get a chance to relax tomorrow. And also more importantly, happy opening weekend of college football. It feels good. Yeah, it feels good. And you guys are here, so you, you did it. You, you made it, to, yeah, you did it. I'm happy for you. Um, I, 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 I'm just gonna put this out there and maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I'm going to assume that in this room, you probably don't know a lot about the country of Morocco. And maybe you do, maybe you're like, Jacob, I'm like Moroccan roll, right? Like I love Morocco, like it is my jam. That, if that's you, that's awesome. But you probably, you probably don't. Maybe you know that Morocco is a country in Africa. Maybe you're finding out information right now. Maybe you remember last year and you remember Morocco was upsetting people in the World Cup left and right. Or maybe you're like most Americans and you're finding out right now there was a World Cup last year. And you're like, oh, is that like Ted Lasso? No, um, it's not. And so, Morocco, I randomly had to write a paper about them in college. And so I know (laughs) 30 facts about them. I had to write a paper about 30 facts. And there's one specific fact I think is really important to mention this weekend. And I think you're going to see why. Because Morocco um, is, is virtually a Muslim country. When I say that, it's because 99% of the population is Muslim. Now hear me, I did not say 99% of the population that has a religious belief. I said 99% of the entire population um, is, is Muslim. They follow the Islamic faith. But what's, what's, what's odd about Morocco compared to other Muslim countries is that they're a little more progressive. And so there's certain things within Morocco that other Muslim countries wouldn't allow. Um, they, they allow the sale of alcohol in, in their country. They don't require women to cover their heads. And another thing that is important for us is that it is legal to be a Christian in Morocco. And that is not the case in, in every Muslim country. I mean, in fact, the king of Morocco, he is referred to as the guarantor of faith, which means that if, if you live in Morocco, if you and I moved to Morocco and we lived there, we, our, our religious freedom would be protected by the king, except for one area. And this is what's interesting. While it is completely legal to be a Christian in Morocco, it is illegal for them, for a Christian, to share their faith with a Muslim. And so just think about that for a second. If you are a Christian who lives in Morocco, 99% of the people around you are Muslim and it is illegal for you to share your faith with them. And I remember reading that for the first time and writing this paper. And I was just like, this is an outrage. Like we need to email the king of Morocco and be like, what are you doing with your life? Like this cannot be this way. Like I just like, how, how do those Christians even live? How can they do what they're supposed to do? And then I took it a step further and I started to think, I was like, can you imagine the outrage that would happen in America if that law was enacted here? Like if like a news bulletin came over today and it was just like, do, 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 like in America, like you cannot share your faith as a Christian anymore. Like we, we would be like, what in the world? This is not fair. You cannot do this. And as I was sitting there writing that paper, um, a question just kind of crept into my mind. And I'm gonna be very honest with you. I, I just kind of paused there for a long time and, and then thought about this. And I sat in this and I really, I'm gonna encourage you to do the same thing. Because here's what the question was. If that law was enacted in America, where sharing your faith was a Christ, as a Christian was illegal, how much would my life actually have to change? I just want you to think about it for your life for a second. I mean, imagine that came through and all of a sudden it said, hey, it is illegal to share your faith in America. If you're a Christian, you can be a Christian, that's fine. You can go to church on Sunday, that's fine, but you better not talk to anybody about Jesus. Would your life 
have to change. And when we were younger, my family and I, we would go around this table and around Lent season, we would just say, hey, what are you giving up for Lent this year? It would just be a food item or, or something. Like sometimes it'd be social media. My parents have given up coffee before. I've tried to give up chocolate and failed before. Like you've been there, you get it. Um, but there was one time where we were going around the table and I got to my little brother, his name is Jordan. And we said, Jordan, he, he was young at this time. We said, Jordan, what are you gonna give up for Lent this year? And he says, you know, I've thought about this a lot. I think I'm gonna give up eating metal. And just so you know about Jordan, he's not like known for that. It's not like his a hallmark of Jordan. He's just like, is this titanium delicious? Like, I love this. It's not a thing that he does. And so we were like, Jordan, like that's, that's not gonna, like, why, why are you doing that? It's not gonna change your life at all. And he was just like, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna have to do anything different. And if, if it was illegal to share your faith as a Christian, would it just be like eating metal for you? Would it just your life be uninterrupted? Would nothing change? Would you feel the tension inside of you, the weight that you know what you're supposed to do, but you can't do it? Or would you almost feel a sense of relief that all of a sudden now you have an excuse that you don't have to go do something Jesus has asked you to do? And these are tough questions, but my goodness, church, I think they're important questions to ask and they're important questions to answer for each of us. You see, our question this weekend is how do I share my faith effectively? How do I share my faith effectively? But honestly, I think before we can answer that question, we have to ask a different question, which is simply this. Do I share my faith? Do I even do it? Uh, statistically, it's, it's interesting to hear about this. Lifeway Research, um, they're based in Nashville. So just a little bit down the road, they did a, a study last year um, and it, it found this, that more than half, so 58% of churchgoers feel comfortable effectively sharing their faith. And so 58 people in this room, or not 58, 58% of the people in this room, you're like, you're doing it, right? Like pat on the back, this whole sermon, you can just kind of tune it out. Like it'd be super, super easy for you. You're like, I'm already doing this stuff, except this next stat also exists. And they found that 78%, so 58% feels comfortable effectively sharing their faith, but 78% have not shared their faith with anyone in the past six months. And it isn't interesting that over half of churchgoers say, I can do this, I feel confident and I feel like I can do it effectively. But then three quarters of churchgoers say, but I'm just not gonna do it. It's not a necessity, it's not urgent, I'm just not gonna do it. Even as simple as um, inviting someone to church, 59% of churchgoers say they haven't invited anyone to church in the last six months. And that's why I think it's so key that we don't just focus this morning on how to share our faith effectively, but we have to start with the question of, do I share my faith? Think about your, your life over the last six months. Have you had a conversation with someone over the last six months that just talks about Jesus to someone that doesn't know Jesus? Maybe I'm not even talking about strangers. If you, if you want to talk to a stranger, that's fine. I would encourage you not to be like weird about it and be like, have you heard about our Lord and Savior? Like, don't do, maybe don't do that. But like, have you had a conversation with, with anyone? I have so many students that come up to me and they say, Jacob, I really want to talk to someone about Jesus. And I'm like, that's amazing. Who is it? And they say, my parents. And I'm like, oh. Or I talk to people who, who are married and they say, man, I am, I'm a strong believer, but my husband, he's not. And I don't know how to have that conversation right now. Have you, have you talked 
to someone about Jesus in the last six months? When was the last time you voiced your faith to someone of a different belief system? in a natural and an easy way, with just a natural relationship that's happening. Maybe if you've been with us for a while and you you call Northside home, Aaron just talked about um, these light bulbs on our wall out here. Did you write a name of the light bulb? And if you did, how's that going? And maybe for some of us, we walk in here every weekend and that light bulb wall's lit up and it's just like a cheering on because you're doing it. And you're just like, one more done, right? Like, I am nailing this. But for some of you, you walk in and it just feels like this, this huge blinding light because you know you put a light bulb in there. You know there's a name on there. And then every weekend you're like, I haven't done it yet. And we can't just talk about how to share our faith effectively until we talk about and answer the question of do we share our faith. And church, we have, we have to do so. We have to see the necessity and the urgency and the importance. We have to make it a priority. And, and I'm not trying to be cute or funny when I say this, but the first step of sharing our faith effectively is to just go and share our faith. And you're gonna hear me say this over and over again today. You're gonna be annoyed by the end of this, this time period. Um, but, but sharing our faith is not optional. And so if you're a believer in this room, you need to read that and take that personally. Sharing our faith is not optional. And honestly, if you're a non-believer in the room, go ahead and take that to heart too. Because I want you to know what you're signing up for. It's not like we get baptized and we're just like, and I'm good, take me to heaven, Jesus. All right, like we have a command. We have something we're supposed to do. And Jesus makes it clear over and over and over again that sharing our faith is not optional. And we're gonna see Jesus talk about it today. And we're gonna be in the, the book of Matthew chapter 10. And I am a huge proponent of opening up the word together as a church. And so right now, um, if you have your physical Bible, if you have your digital Bible, um, I know someone who has a, a Greek Bible and they just read it for fun. I, not me, that's not me. If you have your English Bible, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 10. That's where we're gonna be hanging out today. And if you don't know about this chapter, here's what's going on. Jesus has gathered his disciples, the 12 disciples, and he said, hey, I'm gonna send you out to do exactly what we're talking about today, to share your faith. And in this chapter, near the end, there's these two verses that are gonna be the crux of what we're talking about today. And it's gonna put this all in perspective for us. And so in your Bible, or you can see it on the screen, it says Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33. Here's what it says. Whoever acknowledges me before others, this is Jesus speaking, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. It's cutting language. It almost sounds threatening. It sounds super intense from Jesus. But the, the, the point is clear. If you acknowledge Jesus, he'll acknowledge you And for English language, like we can read that. And for me, when I think of acknowledge, I just think of like a head nod or a slight wave. And so like if the point is for us to like just do a head nod or a slight wave to Jesus, I think we can do that. Um, I remember I was at the airport once picking up my wife. She was getting in from a late flight. It was me and like three other people in the, air, in the airport. And so we're sitting there and every time I'm in an airport, I look for famous people. And if you don't, you should start because it's super fun. And so I'm just sitting there and I was thinking like, there's no one famous that can come through the Louisville airport. Like, not, like that's just not gonna happen. And I, it was almost as soon as I was stopped thinking that, that through the arrival gates walks in Montrez Harrell. And some of you guys are like, you said famous people. Now listen, all right? Montrez Harrell is one of my favorite Louisville basketball players ever. And he played for the Rockets, the Clippers, the Lakers. Like he, he is just, he's just one of my favorites ever. 
And I'm sitting there, I'm watching the NBA playoffs on my phone and I suddenly see Montrez walk in. I'm just like, huh, 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 huh? Like, is this happening? And I am just starting to well up with excitement inside my body. And there's only three people and he's kind of looking around and all of a sudden he locks eyes with me. And as soon as he does, my eyes just go, like, get super big and my mouth starts going, Montrez. And what I want to do in that moment was to stand up at midnight and just be like, Montrez Harrell, I love you. Like you are my favorite Louisville basketball player ever. And the 2013 national championship game that can never be taken away from us. When you alley-ooped it and dunked it, like I cried literal tears. Like it was a game changer. And I wanted to go and hug him and possibly kiss him on the cheek. That's what I wanted to do. But instead, I did maybe the coolest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And instead of slightly assaulting this man, I sat in my seat and as he passed, we made eye contact and I just did this. I went and nodded at him. And he looked at me and a wave of relief goes over his body and he nods back at me. He just goes, and he knew that I knew who he was and he just kept walking. And it'd be really easy for us to read this section of scripture and be like, okay, if we just like give Jesus the nod every once in a while, like Jesus, give him the, the gesture, the wave every once in a while. Then one day when we get to heaven and we're waiting to get in, Jesus will see us at the line and just be like, hey, that guy, he's good. All right, like let him in. It's not what the scripture is talking about. And the verbiage uh, of this, the words within this, when it talks about um, acknowledging, it's talking about words. That word acknowledge in the original Greek, he is making a clear call for verbal confession. It is a vocal thing. It is using your words to acknowledge Jesus before others. And then if you go even deeper, that word disown, check this out in 33. Yes, it's disown and deny, but it's also this idea of desertion due to fear of persecution or death. And so you read that again. And as opposed to it saying, whoever head nods me before others, it's, it says this, it says, hey, whoever verbally confesses me before others, I will also verbally confess before my father in heaven. But everyone who disowns me, who deserts me due to fear of, of death or persecution here on earth, I will also disown, deny before my father in heaven. And you might be thinking like, oh, that's, that's really tough. Here's the deal, that's Jesus saying that and it makes it so incredibly clear that sharing our faith is not optional. Believers in the room, non-believers in the room who know what you're getting signed up for. Sharing our faith is not optional. We see this all over scripture. It's not just here. I have a graphic. It's gonna be over the screen. You can, you can look at all these different scriptures. First Timothy 1, 8, it says, so never be ashamed to tell with your words, others about our Lord. Mark 16, 15, it says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach. That word preach would be a proclamation. Again, it's, it's talking about vocally. It's your words, the good news to everyone. First Peter 3, 15 and 16, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If you're an underliner or a highlighter, this is a good one to do. It says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to look, explain it. And then don't miss this last part here. It says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Can I just take a pause really quick as a church and remind us that we're supposed to do this in a gentle and respectful way? Just a reminder, um, there was a, a time 
Um, I was going to a Brad Paisley concert, which means I was in a pretty dark place, so pray for me. <laughs> but I'd gotten tickets and I was walking into the Yum Center and as we were walking in, um, there was a guy, and I'm sure you've seen this before, there was a guy with a megaphone and he is just yelling at people and he's telling them exactly, he's saying, you're going to hell, you're gonna burn forever because you're going to this concert, you're gonna burn, you're gonna die, you're gonna go to hell and he is not being gentle, he is not being respectful and he looks at me and he says, you're going to hell and I wanted it with all my might to look back at him and be like, nope, <laughs> like, I know the scriptures, my friend and I know exactly where I'm going, I'm not going to hell. And I thought, man, Maybe I'm the one missing it here. But like, it feels like the Bible tells me specifically to do this in a gentle and respectful way. And so church, I just wanna remind you for a second, being a Christian does not give you an excuse to be rude, mean, or hateful in Jesus' name. And I just, I just want us to hear that and to accept that and to move forward. <laughs> the next one that talks about how we're supposed to go, the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28 says this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. This is one of the last things Jesus says to his disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. You know what's really interesting about that word, go? It's the same word that's found in Matthew 10, our scripture today, verse seven. And look what it says. It's at the beginning of Jesus sending out his disciples. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And do you see what it says right there? there there's no hint of it being an option. It does not say, hey, if you go, will you go, if, if you go, will you go and proclaim the, the gospel? Will you please do that? It says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom has come near. It is not optional. There is a presupposition that when they are going to go out, that they are going to go out, number one, but it's because they're going out as followers of Jesus and Jesus has commanded them to do so. It is not optional. It's as you go, not if you go. It's as you go, not, well, on the days that I feel like it, I'll go. It's as you go. It's not, well, someone else is way better at it and is like knows more than me. And so I'm gonna let them go. It's as you go. It's not, well, when I get done with middle school and high school and college, then I'm gonna take this seriously and then I'll finally go. It's as you go. It's not, well, I used to do it when I was younger, but now that I'm older and retired, I'm just gonna coast through life and not worry about this anymore. It's not, it's not that. It says, as you go. No matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, as you go, proclaim this message that the kingdom of heaven has come near. And church, I think this is so obvious. I think you've heard me say it four times already, but Jesus just cannot make it any more clear. Sharing our faith is not optional. It is though, obedience. It's not optional, but it is obedience. It's following Jesus to a T. And here's why this is such a big deal for me. Because maybe right now you're thinking like, are we gonna like really dig into the theology? Like, are we gonna go deeper tonight? And I think, or this morning, I think um, we can't because even though this is not the most deep, crazy theological thought in the entire world, in our time period right now, evangelism is continually, continually, continually being looked at as more and more negative. And I don't just mean by non-Christians. You wanna hear a crazy stat? 47% of millennial Christians, it's nearly 50, it's nearly half of millennial Christians, so 25 to 40 year olds, 
believe it is wrong to share their faith with someone of a different belief in hopes that one day they will share the same belief. Can I just say that one more time? Half of 25 to 40 year old Christians think it is wrong to follow a direct command of Jesus. And I wish I had an answer. I, I don't know why that's believed. And some of you in here are just like, I knew it, those millennials, right? Like, how could they? But Gen X, you're not excluded. 25%, 20% for boomers. And then 20% for it just says the elders. I don't know what that means, but you know who you are. <laughs> Can we just try to reconcile that, that thought process really quick with 1 Peter 3.15, where it says, always be ready to have an account, to give an account, to explain the hope you have in Jesus. Can you imagine if someone came up to me and said, Jacob, why in the world do you believe in Jesus? Why do you have this hope? Why do you have this joy in trials? Like, what is it about Jesus that's so great? Can you imagine if I looked at them and said, look, I'll tell you, but you have to promise me you'll never follow him because that would be wrong. Like, that would be crazy talk. But for some reason... Half of millennial Christians, 25 to 40 year olds, are like, nope, that's wrong, can't do it. Since 1993, the understanding that sharing our faith is a responsibility as a Christian has dropped by 25%. And so church, this morning, we're, we're, not, we're not just gonna dive into some deep theological discourse, but we are just gonna take a pause in our lives to remind ourselves that sharing our faith is our responsibility that sharing our faith, it is a commandment straight from Jesus. That sharing our faith should be done both verbally and with how we live. That sharing our faith, it should be done with gentleness and respect. That sharing our faith is not optional and that sharing our faith is obedience. And the more that we understand that, the more that we can share our faith effectively. And maybe you're listening and you're like, dude, you don't know. Like, like it's hard out there right now. Like 2023 is tough. There's cancel culture. Like people already hate Christians. Like, I don't know if you know this, but now like there are more people who don't go to church. This is the first time in history that there's more people who don't go to church than actually do go to church. We're living in that reality right now as of 2023. Like that, that's, the, that's the world we live in. And so me going out there and sharing my faith, that's not gonna be the easiest thing in the world. That's not gonna be fun. It's, not gonna, it's, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And Jesus, he addresses this and he just says, yeah, you're right. Look at Matthew 10, 16. He says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. We talked about sheep last week, um, but I think the analogy is clear. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm sending you out as prey among predators. Sheep don't have like some secret defense mechanism. It's not like if a wolf walks up, they pull out a machete. It doesn't happen, right? Like if a wolf walks up to a sheep, they're just like, okay, time to die. Like this, this is it, like goodbye. And Jesus is making it pretty clear it's going to be rough. It's going to be difficult. Look at the language surrounding that verse, verse 16. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. You know what flogged means? It means getting beaten with whips or with sticks. It says, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will be, not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. 
Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. Does that sound familiar? But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And do you notice the intense language in there? I mean, look at some of the stuff he says. He says, you will be handed over and flogged. I don't think any of the disciples were sitting there just like, yes, right? Like, I love a good flogging. That's exactly what I wanted today. He says, you will be hated. He says, when they arrest you, not if they arrest you, but when they arrest you. He says, when you are persecuted. And the whole time Jesus is just conveying this reality that yeah, it's going to be tough. Yes, sharing your faith is going to be difficult. Yeah, you might suffer, but the entire time he never makes it optional. And church, that's the reality that we have to live in, that yes, it might be difficult. Yes, we might suffer. Yes, it's going to be hard, but it's not optional, but it is worth it because Jesus told us to do it. The beautiful thing is that every time um, he talks about something difficult, he doesn't tell them how to avoid it, but he does say either how to handle it, how he'll be with them, or saying why it's gonna be worth it. He says, be sheep, you're gonna be sheep among wolves. So what can you do? You need to be wise, shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. That's how you can handle living this life and being sheep among wolves. He says, you're gonna be flogged, yes, but you're gonna have a chance to witness to kings and governors Like you're gonna have a chance to say the name of Jesus in front of people who are influential and to the Gentiles, people who've never even heard of God before. He says, yeah, you're gonna get arrested, but don't worry, when you get arrested, the spirit of God's gonna be speaking through you. So you don't have to worry about what to say. He says, yes, you're gonna be hated, but the one who stands firm to the end is going to be saved. He says, yeah, you're gonna be persecuted, but the son of man is coming soon. And yes, it's gonna be hard. And that's the reality we have to live in, but it's not optional. It's obedience. There's this kid in my small group, my high school small group. His name's Isaac. Um, and I love Isaac. Uh, and Isaac, he just, he just gets it. He understands Jesus. He understands church. Um, and he just wants to do things that honor Jesus. And so one time he made the commitment to share his faith. And he went to a girl that um, he, he, he was like, hey, would you want to come to church with me? Would you want to come see Jesus? And he shared his faith with her. And to be fully honest, um, he also was interested in sharing a romantic relationship with this girl. And so, just so you know, uh, I, don't, I don't recommend evangel dating, but there you go. It worked for him this time. And so she comes to church with him and she, she walks in and, and Isaac's like, hey, this is this girl. Like, can you get connected to a small group? And, and we did. And here's the cool thing. Um, she got connected to a small group and she started to keep coming. And the next week she showed up. And the next week she showed up. And the next week she showed up. And, and we're like, Isaac, this is great. Like, you did it, man. Like you shared your faith and it's working. This is what we want. And I'll remember another week she showed up and she brought um, someone with her. And we're like, this is the gospel, right? Like this is what Jesus wanted us to do. And she walks up and I say, hey, she says, hey, um, I brought my friend. Can you get him connected to groups? And I said, for sure. This is amazing. And I go to group afterwards and I'm like, Isaac, did you hear the news? And he's like, what? I was like, your girl, she brought someone with her. Like, like this is exactly what's supposed to happen. And he, I'll never forget this. He looked at me. And he goes, who'd she bring? (laughs) And I was like, no one, no one. (laughs) And I said, oh, I said his name. And he goes, does he have long dark hair? And I said, yeah. 
and his head went down and he goes, that's her ex-boyfriend. They said they don't talk anymore. And every kid in my small group just goes, oh, like, that's gonna hurt. And I felt horrible. <laughs> and Isaac found out in that moment, the reality that sharing your faith isn't always easy, but it's always worth it. You know what's awesome about Isaac though? Just two months ago, at Kingdom Conference, our annual student event, he brought six friends and two of them got baptized. And I, I don't tell you that story. Yeah, we can clap for him, absolutely. I don't tell you that story to pump up his ego because God love him, he doesn't need it, all right? And I would tell him to his face and I had before. But I tell that story to show that Isaac got it. And Isaac walks through and he talks often about how he gets made fun of. And it's hard sometimes to, to stand up for what's right. And he asks me for ways to be effective and it's incredible to see his heart. And I've got to be honest with you guys, I've got an incredible group of high school boys in this church who want to do this. And what's awesome is that they are on fire to do it. But sometimes they see the suffering and they, they forget that it's not optional. And church, I want us to understand the reality that yes, we will suffer, but it's not optional. It's obedience. And it is always, always worth it. And I think Isaac got a taste of that this year when he got to watch two of his friends get baptized. I'm Matthew 32, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge for my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. And church, sharing our faith is not optional. It's obedience and it's worth it. So let me just ask you, will you share your faith? Will you share your faith? Will you, will you decide and see the necessity and the urgency to do it? Will you verbally confess Jesus before others? Will you go into the world and proclaim the message that the kingdom of heaven is near, that Jesus is near? Will you live a life that would wind you up in jail for three years in Morocco? Will you always be ready to explain the hope that you have as a believer, doing it with gentleness and respect to every turn? Will you never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord? Will you live in the reality that it is not always going to be easy, but it is always going to be worth it? Will you go into the world and preach the good news? Will you share your faith? Before we go, I just, I just wanna um, say, I don't wanna be just a church that tells you what to do, but doesn't tell you how to do it. And so if you're interested in getting to know more about this, and you're thinking, yeah, I wanna share my faith. I wanna do it effectively. I got two things coming up. Number one, um, we're gonna have a video on social media this week from one of our elders named Tim. And it's just gonna be an entry level way of how do I share my faith effectively? It's gonna be a little template of what it looks like to share your faith with someone and to do it in a non-weird way, I swear. I'm gonna encourage you to watch that video. Take notes, hear what he is saying and then see how you can make it apply to your life. But then the second way is this, if you just... You wanna know more. And you don't just wanna say, I wanna share my faith, but you're like, I wanna share my faith effectively. We have evangelizers. We have people who share their faith in this church who do it amazingly. And we wanna get you connected with them. And if that's you, you wanna learn how to do this way better, wanna learn more information, I got something you can do. You can email the phrase not optional in the subject line um, to info at mynorthside.com. And you're gonna see it come up on the screen here. You can email with the subject line not optional to info at mynorthside.com, what's gonna happen is we're gonna get you connected with someone or a group 
who is good at this and who wants to train you on how to do this and then we can go and do it together. And really church, like, I would really encourage all of us to do this. Because I'm not sure if you've heard me today, but sharing our faith is not optional. But it is obedience. And it's always worth it. Let me pray for us and then we can go together. Lord, we love you. And God, thank you, um, number one, just for a country that we live in that makes it legal to share our faith. God, we are thankful for that truth. But Lord, help us not to just know that freedom and not do anything about it, God. Help us to understand that sharing our faith is not optional. Lord, to share what you have done, to share what Jesus has done on the cross, the gospel, our own faith with someone is, is not optional. It is obedience, though, to what you're asking us to do. So give us the confidence, give us the courage, give us the boldness, give us the opportunities in natural ways this week to do it. And Lord, when it is time, let the Holy Spirit work in us, speak through us and be with us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. North said, as you go, share your faith. Be the church. We love you. We'll see you next week.